If you do not have an outline of the sermon today, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure that you get one. I want everyone to have an outline. We've been on the important, important subject of stewardship. And uh, this morning we're going to take our text from the Apostles Paul writing. I, I, I know probably... Uh, Matt, that you're going to be teaching on the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but uh, you know, you and I could preach on it, teach on it for years, and never glean all there is to it, but uh, it just fits so well. And if you will, I want to read a few verses that's found in the book of Philippians. I'll read it from the New King James Version, and here we go. Verse 10, but I rejoice, this is Paul writing, and he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. They had given Paul an offering. They had given him money. They, they had sent to him. He was in prison, but they had sent to him through uh, Epaphroditus. And here he says, uh, I'm glad, <clears throat> glad you're given again. But notice what he says. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. They wanted to give, but the opportunity to get it to him was not there. Now it was. Verse 11. Not, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base, which is live humbly, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, uh, he says, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. I love this verse, who strengthens me. Then verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. I love that, giving and receiving, giving and receiving. But you only, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Now this verse here tells the reason that I'm preaching on stewardship. It tells the reason that the church asks you to give. Not the, not the only reason, but the reason that church would challenge you to be good stewards. It's verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I'm not asking you to give so we can have a comfortable place, so we can send money to, to the missionaries, and that certainly comes into play. But I want you to grasp the importance of stewardship. This is what Paul said. And I want you to know how much it's going to benefit you. And you're saying, preacher, <laughs> you're telling me if I make $100 and I give you $10, that's going to benefit me. It's 100 minus 10 is 90. I just have $90 left. God's economy is not like the world's economy. Amen? 18, indeed I have all and abound. I am full and have received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you. A, now here is such a beautiful, it's an Old Testament quote, but let's look at it. Things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to your riches 
in glory in Christ Jesus. Father, add your blessings to the word. Lord, I can preach and I can talk, but it, it will not accomplish that. Unless you build a house, we labor in vain that build it. Unless you speak this word to our hearts, not just to our ears, but to our hearts. And I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if you will, read with me the introduction. It's very good. The introduction that we have. The Philippian Christians had learned the secret of joyful, liberal financial giving. The church in Philippi had taken up an offering to give to Paul. in prison. He was in prison because of his faith. Paul wrote back to the church and expressed his joy. You find that in verse 10. Joy, or its derivative, occurs almost 20 times in the letter. And by the way, by the way, we're studying the book of Philippians on Wednesday night. It's very, very good. Have you discovered the joy of giving? In what ways can you can giving make you a joyful person? I took that from uh, Gary Harden. And then I put this here because I thought it made such a great statement. Our consumer oriented society pressures us to place too much value on material things. Would you say amen? All those ads, all those ads, all those ads, get this and you'll feel better. Get this and you'll be better. Get this and all of the things that they say pressure you. This approach to life results in chronic dissatisfaction. You never seem to have enough and it is so true. I don't know if you've ever had a hamster or not in your house. Some people, they like hamsters. And they keep those hamsters in a cage. But in that cage, they have a wheel. And that hamster gets in that wheel, and buddy, does he ever more work out. He just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. Guess what? He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> he gets out of that wheel and he gets out in the very same place that he got in. You ever feel that way when it comes to finances? You work, you get up, you go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, th right on the whole week, and you try, and you're just trying here and there, and you're trying, and Friday, Saturday, and you you just ain't going nowhere. I was I was reading behind a man by the name of Gary Kesey, K E E S E E. After years of living paycheck, and you may be like this, but I hope none of us are. After you living years, after years of living paycheck to paycheck, Gary found himself in a financial pen, owing on 10 maxed out credit cards. 10. Three finance companies, two car payments back taxes, judgments and liens, and $26,000 Gary owed to his relatives. He was drowning in debt and completely fed up, and he had a family to provide for. He is now, that was 30 years ago, he is now, has now written 
book after book on how to be debt free. Would you like to be debt free, including the mortgage on your house? Would you, would you, wouldn't you like to be debt free? Well, Brother Larry's going to be talking about some of that next Sunday. And uh, we're going to be talking about some things that will help when it comes to finances. But the one thing I want us to do is to look at this scripture that we've read. And notice, if you will, I've got five steps here. And I want you to know that you were not created to be on a world's hamster wheel. If you're on that wheel, spinning and spinning and not getting anywhere financially, you work hard, you pay your tithe. So I said, what's happened? I pay my tithe and here I am. Number one, giving revives our concern. Giving revives our concern. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me. They were concerned about the Apostle Paul. Giving revives our concern. How many of us are concerned about Moses' chowdery in Vijuata and Vijuata uh, and Hyderabad, India? Well, when you pay tithe and give an offering, that Part of that goes to Moses Chowdhury, his wife, his three daughters, his three son-in-laws, and the tremendous ministry he has in the southern part of India. It makes you concerned. When you give an offering, it makes you concerned, and you know what's going on, and you, uh, you, you are familiar with what this church does. It makes you concerned with 13 churches in Nicaragua. And we've, we've been supporting that ministry. And it is a tremendous ministry where they have revivals. Marty's down there right now. And they're having revival and an outpouring of God's spirit. And so when you give, it, it makes you concerned. It, it gives you a concern about other people. Other people. So giving revives your concern. The Philippian Christian had been barren in their giving, but now they were blossoming anew with concern for Paul's welfare. When you give, when you obey God in your giving, and giving, we talked about that last week and week before last, and we need to understand that God com commands us. He, co he commits us to, to, to giving. And it renews our concerns for things and other people. Giving takes the focus off of ourselves and it puts it on others and other things. And God knows we need that. I don't need to focus on self. That's the joy that you find when you're able to reach out and bless someone else, whether it's financially, whether it's witnessing to someone that is lost, whether it's, it's introducing Jesus to uh, the unsaved or whether it's just encouraging a believer, whatever it is. That giving, giving takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it on someone else and something else. Giving becomes a tangible way. Listen to this. We can express concern and love to other people. I love you. I love you. I love you. But is there something tangible you can do? 
You say, I love missions. I love to see the world saved. But there, is there something tangible that you can do? We've been, we preach for months on the revealed power of God. It's one thing to have the power. It's something else to reveal that power. The electricity that comes off of this pole back here comes in this, this church. But it's great when we utilize that and see something tangible, turn on the lights, enjoy the sound system, and, all, and the warmth and the cool that is produced by that electricity. If you love, you want to do something tangible. You can walk in the house every, every night, gentlemen, and say, honey, I love you. Go pull off your shoes, sit in your favorite chair, and never turn your hand to do one thing to help that wife. You know she's worked that day. You want to do something tangible. Saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's great, and I think we should express that love. But it's also wonderful when we do something. So the Philippian church loved Paul, and they did something tangible. They sent an offering and sent help for that man. Number two, giving teaches us contentment. Verse 11, the apostle Paul talks about being content. Paul did not want the church to think that his joy, this is a great statement, listen at it. Look at it, look at it on your paper. Paul did not want this church to think that his joy rested on whether he had money or not. We need not put our faith, our confidence in our, in our financial status. We should not put our faith in money. And Paul was getting this point across. He said, I want you to give. First of all, he needed for them to give. He didn't have to have it because he knew how to be uh, abased. He knew how to, be a, how to abound. But he said, I want to do it on your own. Your on your watch. He had joy in his life, not because his purse was full, but because he had learned contentment. Paul believed in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Hebrews, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For him, he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Paul did learn to be content. And I think that's one thing that, that really uh, we, we, we feel with anxiety because we don't learn, certainly, that contentment. Contentment means living with a sense of God's adequacy. We can give joyfully. When we know that God is, gonna, is certainly going to look after us, that God is going to supply our needs, and we'll get to that in just a moment, when we live with that kind of faith, it's so easy to give joyfully. God loves a hilarious giver. Number three, giving makes us a partner in ministry. The word share is the same word often translated as fellowship. The word denotes partnership. Aren't you glad that you can come in partnership with Jesus Christ? He's your partner. He's not just our Savior, and that is great. But you and I become partners. And then the person you're sitting next to or the person you join in with giving to whatever ministry or whatever need there is, you and she or he becomes partners. Isn't that great? That's exciting to me. 
And that's a challenge for us that we can give because we become partners. Each time we give to the Lord's work, we partner with other Christians to help advance the kingdom of God. I've been to, to Vijayawada, India. I've seen the great ministry he has there for the youth, the children, and for uh, senior citizens. He has campus after campus, thousands and thousands of people come and hear them preach and they give and they reach out and they give. And over one of the doors, they have the name of Bethel Christian Center because we gave enough money, not that we tried to give a lot of money, but God blessed us with it. And we gave enough money, they had our name over the door. This, 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 is, this room, this place is here because of a church back in Durham, North Carolina, Bethel Christian Center. So when we give, we become partners. And then number four, giving pays spiritual dividends. Paul said, not that I'm looking for a handout, okay? But I do what, but I do want you to experience the blessings that issues from generosity. That's what he said in verse 17. If you read the message. That's why he wants us to give. He wants us to enjoy that. He wants us to know that when we give, he gives back. The Bible says he'll give back unto you how? Press down, shaken together, and what? Running over. Let's say it. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Now, we, we either believe that or we don't believe it. And it's important that we understand that God wants us he says the phrase credited to your account implies that given to the Lord is like investing in kingdom matters. And those kingdom matters are spiritual benefits. Given to God financially, given to God through witnessing, given to God through love, given to God no matter what we do, pays off spiritually. So it says, why, why does God bless me? Well... We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Given from the right motives, I love this statement, and for the right reason becomes in God's sight an act of worship and devotion. We just don't have Matt and the team leading us and we're worshiping God and we're praising God when that's over. Now we're going to stop. Now we're going to take up an offering. That's worship. <laughs> It's not, it's not just when you sing. It's not when we just raise our hands or shout or praise the Lord. Giving to God is an act of worship before God. He loves that. He's so glad for churches and ministries and individuals to bless the kingdom. And that's how one way it's blessed is by giving. Now, look at, look at number five. Giving grows out of faith. Look at verse 19. It's the last verse that we read. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul wanted the believer to know that as she or he steps out in faith, that he is going to supply all your need according to his riches in glory. It's important that we grasp the secret that we grab a hold of it and understand that God is challenging us to be obedient when it comes 
to, uh, to giving. It's important. It's important because the, it, it, Paul gave them a great promise to stand on. Standing on the promises. You can stand on that. Standing on the promises. He said, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. All right, look at it. Supply. How much of your need? Say it good and loud. How much? All oh, your need. According to what? According to what? Wachovia. There's, I don't guess there's any more Wachovia. Boy, I'm giving my, uh, 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 Bank of America. Is it according to what Bank of America has? According to what someone can loan you? No. According to his riches in glory. I think that's, that's a lot. Because he owns the cattle and he owns the hills and he owns everything. His glory, even the streets, it's not paved with asphalt and cement. The streets are paved with what? Gold. The gates are what? Pearl. Uh, listen, God's got a whole lot and he's going to bless. I believe this. He'll bless the church according to his riches in glory by the preacher. Is that what he said? Not by the preacher. Not by your loved ones. Not by a relative. By Jesus Christ. What a powerful, powerful verse for you and I to step out in faith. Verse 19 encourages us to take the step of faith and give trust in God to meet our need. I'm going to give by faith. I told you last week, I think it was my mother how that she gave, she always, she was a giver. And she would give sometimes when, you say, where, where are you going to get the rent money? She would give the rent money. She would give the light bill money. She, you know, but you know what? We never missed a beat paying for our rent. And um, she didn't make much money back then. Of course, you didn't have to make a lot of money, but you still had to have money. She worked at W.T. Grants, and many of you won't not recognize this. She worked at W.T. Grants at, at, at Wellens Village. And she'd get that little paycheck, and buddy, she, the first thing she would do, she would give. God wants us to give. How, how are you geared? How, how are you uh, when it comes to giving? Let me ask you something. Do you tithe? Do you give when God speaks to you? You say, well, I don't know what I can give. You can give a word of encouragement. You can give a word of, of, of life. doesn't matter. God wants you to take the opportunity to give. Last uh, Tuesday, my wife and I were in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We were up to see sight and sound. If you've never seen it, you need to see it. It's one of the greatest, beautiful theater. Seats 2,000 people and just have live presentation, live animals, have live pigs and horses and donkeys. It's just a great performance, great show. And this one was Jesus, and uh, it's, quite, it's quite moving. But that morning we went to IHOP, and... Uh, I just, when I go in a restaurant, I look for the opportunity to, to be able to give. You know, they give to us, I want to give back to them. And so the waitress that came to us, I developed a conversation with her and talked to her. 
And about the third time that she came back to the table, uh, I, I knew her name and I called her name. I said, uh, uh, first of all, she had a tattoo on her arm right here, a large tattoo on her long arm. And uh, she said, yeah, I got that tattoo when I was out in the world. She said, I wish I had never gotten it. Then I asked her about church, and she said, I did go to church. I said, what church did you go to? She said, I went to a Pentecostal church. I said, whoa. And I, she said, uh, I don't go now. And I said, were you ever born again? She said, yes. I said, did you ever receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues? And all of a sudden, tears swelled up in her eyes, and she started crying. And uh, by that time, there was about three or four more waitresses standing around us. And the Holy Spirit. Now, you say the Holy Spirit moved in church. He can move in IHOP. <laughs> if, you just, if you just let God lead you. And this young lady, I, I mean... Every one of those waitresses, you could tell, were feeling the very presence of God. And this young lady just renewed her relationship back to God. And let me tell you something. It felt good. It felt good because we gave. It felt good because we loved. And you know, it means something for us to give. I want you to understand God's challenging us to give. He says, give and I will give back unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Bow your heads for just a moment, if you will. Father, I thank you for your great word, for allowing us to be able to become partners with you for ministries around the world. God, I thank you because you said you would supply our needs. And I pray there would not be one man, one woman, one young person here today, one dad, one mom, that would not begin to step out in faith and be obedient to you when it comes to financial stewardship. God, I believe your Holy Spirit will touch their lives. I believe your Holy Spirit will supply their need. And Lord, you said you would make a way where there seems to be no way. And Lord, as we come to the ministry time around this, uh, in, in this service, around this altar, I pray that you would minister to every person. And while they're struggling, if they're like that hamster wheel, if they're working and praying and going and doing and yet seem to be getting no better. I pray that there would be a, a divine supernatural change in their lives. And as they begin to give, no matter whether it's a testimony, no matter whether it's witnessing to someone uh, that they run into or come in contact with, no matter if it's an offering that they just really want to be obedient to you, I pray that you would open their hearts to give. Father, your word tells us that God so loved the world that he, he gave. Lord, I want to be like the Father.
Jesus so loved the world that he gave. He gave his own life. And God, I want to be like Jesus. I want to use these examples. What a sacrifice it was. And Lord, it may be a sacrifice for us. We may have to make some adjustments. But God, help us to be willing to be obedient to you when it comes to reaching out and touching other people's lives. God, I don't want to focus on myself. I want to focus on the needs of others. And I pray now, Lord, as we enter into this time of, of, of worship in, around the altar, I pray that you'd meet every need in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing.